All right, welcome to our third episode. This is a bit of an emergency episode for the Slippery Boys on a whim. Uh, we woke up to news that Tyus Jones was heading to Washington, Porzingis to the Celtics with uh, two picks going to the Celtics and uh, Marcus Smart, everyone's favorite Celtic, former Celtic now, is on the way to Memphis. Uh, this podcast is hosted by... One Memphis Stan and two Celtics, one Celtics Stan and another big Celtics fan. Neither Celtics fans are here tonight, but we do have a guest host, Jay Gondre. Do you want to say something for the fans? I mean, I'm very grateful to be invited to the podcast today, and I got a lot to talk about after yesterday night. Yeah. A lot going on. We're actually in the middle of the NBA draft right now. Cam Whitmore is sliding down boards as we speak. Um, yeah, a lot of uh, polarizing thoughts with polarizing players on the move here. Uh, we got Ev Kelly and Jake Giordano along to navigate this, kind of be some mediators. But uh, yeah, I think we're all going to give some thoughts on this. Uh, I'm going to start by saying thank you to Tyus Jones for his time in Memphis through Pros Pro a real point guard, someone mature on and off the court, which has been hard to find in Memphis. Um, but I'd actually, I'll start by giving the floor to Jake. I know uh, as a Celtics fan, everyone's been taking, saying goodbye to Smart hard. So I'll let you say your piece on Smart. I mean, so just going back to, like, obviously I love Marcus Smart. He's been with the team for a while, kind of developed himself into the leader. Nobody in the NBA hustles as hard as him. He's like the hardest working person, biggest heart, and really didn't want to trade him. So when I saw that the Brogdon deal got uh, vetoed, or not vetoed, but taken back, and then uh, Smart got traded, I was a little disappointed by that. But honestly, I would be lying if I said it wasn't a good trade for the Celtics. I mean, we gave up. Smart, uh, Gallinari, and Muscala, and then the 35th pick. And we got back, uh, I believe if I'm wrong, it was Porzingis, and then we got the 25th pick, right? Uh, I think it's, yeah, 25th tonight. And then... Um, oh, and then the uh, next year, Golden State pick. Golden, Which I think could be a good pick. I don't know what's going on in Golden State. They also yeah, did we'll not take Cam Whitmore at 19, <laughs> so Cam Whitmore is still on the board. But yeah, honestly, I really think this is a make or break trade for the Celtics. I think they're going all in. And um, if they win next year, good for them. It worked. But if not, I think there's going to be a lot of moves in the offseason next year, especially maybe surrounding Jalen Brown, depending on how he performs this year. So and also the one thing that bothered me about this trade, like obviously I think the majority of Celtics fans, if not all of them, wanted it to be Brogdon and wish that it could have been Brogdon that went instead of Smart. But one of the big things that could be impacted that I feel like not a lot of people are talking about is the culture. Because I feel like Marcus Smart was very like very smart player. He set the tone. Like when you needed somebody to make a big play or just set a tone, he was there. And I kind of feel like he ran things. Maybe it will be a good change, but I was kind of thinking about asking you guys that uh, from an outsider's point of view. What do you guys think about that? Do you think the culture is going to just get like all shambled up or do you think they're going to succeed and become better? I'll jump in here. Um, I've had a lot of opinions on Marcus Smart over the years. Um, as a Knicks fan looking in from the outside, I I have a lot of respect for him. Um, 
I'm not going to discredit him in any way. I think he's a very good player. I also think he's a bit of a con artist. I think his reputation as this kind of grit and grind player has been a little bit overplayed. I think a lot of um, what he's built is based around flopping, and it's rewarded in today's NBA, so you can't really hold it against him. But um, I don't think the Celtics will miss him nearly as much as people think. I think for the majority of this season, White and Brogdon were clearly better than him. And there were a lot of times where um, it felt like Missoula almost felt like he had to end the game with Smart just because he's the longest tenured Celtic and he's been there forever, even when White and Brogdon were clearly the better options on that night. Also, I just think this trade is a massive home run for the Celtics. Porzingis, I think, has become one of the more underrated players in the league. 23 points a game last year, above average defender, spread the floor. I think that he's the best big man, even though he's not like your traditional big man in a lot of ways. I think he's the best big that Tatum and Brown, either of them will have played with. And he's also, at this point, Al Horford, 38. Obviously, he's still very good. But to have some insurance for him, you can't rely on him to be playing heavy minutes throughout the whole year in playoffs. Robert Williams, we know his injury history. And it's not like Porzingis is the most durable guy, but it is some insurance on if those guys get hurt or if Horford starts to decline. Plus, to get those two first-round picks as well. No, that's huge. That's huge. I really don't think there's a way to view this trade as a negative from the Celtics' perspective. And if it doesn't work out, you guys haven't extended Porzingis. So if it doesn't work out, it's just a one-year thing. Regroup next year. See where you're at. That's a lot of money coming off the books. There will be moves to be made. So I think you'll see where things go with Porzingis this year, and there's a lot of ways to pivot after this year if it doesn't work. From the Grizzlies' perspective, um, I think it really could be – I think it could go two very different ways. <laughs> I mean, Smart, he is a big culture guy. So – I think there's a world where he helps Ja grow. Obviously, Bane and Jaron seem to be high-character guys already. So establishes a bit of, bit of a better culture in Memphis, helps them, holds it down while Ja is out. Things work seamlessly when Ja gets back and they get rolling. I also think there's a world where Marcus Smart <clears throat> seemed to start declining this year, declines a little bit more next year, three more years left on the deal, maybe doesn't look as good uh, in a couple of years, and you did give up two. I mean, the first-round picks, they're not too valuable, so I'm not really going to hold those over the Grizzlies. But, um, yeah, I think the Celtics are the clear winner of this trade. And the Grizzlies, I think it's a big swing. I'm not sure I would have done it, but I'm not going to hold hold it against them for making a big move. I really like the trade like on the Memphis uh, perspective, to be honest, just because I feel like, I know Simon's going to hate me when I say this, but I feel like it's a Dylan Brooks, but a little bit better of a version in a way, just because he is, although Marcus Smart isn't the most efficient shooter, as we know, right? He uh, did improve his percentages this year and in the rounds. I don't know. Everybody gives him bad credit, but in the playoffs and in the last round, he shot and averaged 15 points a game on 43% shooting from the three. So, I mean, the shots there, the potential's there, and Smart has hit some really big shots in his career. I'm not saying you want him to take them, obviously, but 
I feel like he's going to slot in with Giles the first 25 games, help you guys out then especially. And then when Ja comes back, I think, honestly, because Bain, Simon, correct me if I'm wrong, Bain's a really good defender, right? Uh, I wouldn't say really good, but, I mean, he can hold it down. Ja Morant, I mean, uh, I could go out there and give you 30 against Ja, so he's the real issue. But Yeah, I'm saying if you put him next to Ja in an offense, I feel like there's enough offense generated from, like, Ja and uh, Bain that you can have that guy like Marcus Smart who's just the – try and lock him down. And I know he didn't have that good of a defensive year this year, Marcus Smart, but a not good defensive year for Marcus Smart is an above average year for 85% of the players in the NBA. So I think you guys got a good deal on that side, to be honest. I don't know what you're feeling about it. but I I think my biggest concern is just Smart's age. What is he now, 29, 30? Uh, As Ben Colbert preaches, once you're over that hill, 27 28 can can get ugly quick he's also he's got a lot of mileage on him so you might look at it only nine years but you got to take into account pretty much every year he's been on the celtics there's been a deep playoff run so that's a lot of wear and tear he plays heavy minutes so i don't think it's a guarantee that he ages particularly well especially considering hustle defense are really the biggest components of his game those are not things that tend to age very gracefully so I would be a little bit wary of that, but in the in the in the short term, he definitely could be a big help, especially while Jaw's out. Yeah, I wanted to throw out so sad. Like now that you're like Jaw comes back from suspension, are you just running Bane at the three? Because I know you guys had the small forward pool. Like, are you gonna just be running Jaw Smart Bane at three? Theoretically, uh, Smart would be your three over Bane would be the two. Um, Smart I mean, has it played. It doesn't matter. Three. I'm just. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's interchangeable. Smart has played the three for the Celtics before. You gotta think Smart's coming off the bench. That's what I kind of figured. When yeah, uh, I'll Jake. I'll let you have. Well, then, well, then, what are you gonna do with your small forwards position? I know you guys have a whole. Junior, I'll let you have your your thoughts on this trade, and then I'm gonna take. Well, it. I mean, I don't know. I kind of just. I'm agreeing with Ev. I mean, I think the Celtics have home run here. I think I'm not the biggest Marcus Smart guy. I don't think he's, like, all that great. I mean, you give him hustle, but at the end of the day, he's a tough watch with all the flopping and stuff. So I'm not a huge fan of his. I mean, the Wizards are kind of just, like, a nobody in this trade. Like, they suck. Like, I don't know. The trade doesn't really move the needle for them. I mean, Tyus Jones, is. I feel like they won, too, because, I mean, yeah, they give up Porzingis, but he wasn't going to resign there, and they got Tyus Jones. I mean, he's there for, like, one year, but he could be a good player for them. They could potentially I mean, sign him. Future. Yeah, but I, I just I don't know. I'm not the Wizards are not a team to worry about. So I mean, you know, whatever. That, I, almost feel like, I kind of see it as like two teams in this trade, but so, I almost feel yeah. like Tyus is too good for them. Like they're trying to tank, and he might win them like a few more games than they're looking to win. No, I agree. I think he could go over there and put up like eighteen, four, and like seven. Yeah, I, I honestly I think there's a, a world where he doesn't last too long in in Washington. I think that could be like a Deadline trade. I agree. Especially because they have a lot of guards, but you know, more guards than Shawshank. But um, I don't know. Grizzlies giving up two firsts and Tyus Jones for Marcus Smart's a little puzzling, in my opinion. I don't think he's worth that. But I mean we'll see. You gotta fill the Dylan Brooks defense hole, so I feel like that's kind of what their goal was there. So kind of my thoughts i'm not really i'm not really swaying 
As, I, don't, I mean, obviously it's a big trade, but I feel like it's not like crazy. Like I feel like it's kind of like each team had a need there and they kind of filled the need. I'll say this for, for Celtic fans. One thing I've been seeing a lot today is that people think Porzingis is a little bit soft. As someone who watched Porzingis for four years play for the Knicks, I don't think he's soft at all. I think he's just injury prone. Like there was never a time where he was playing like, obviously he's not on the level or close to the level of Giannis or Embiid, but I never felt like he was intimidated by any of those guys or like sitting out games because he was soft. I genuinely just think he's injury prone. And I think Celtic fans will be surprised by how much they like him. No, yeah, just Simon, before you take the floor, because I know you have a lot to say, I was just going to say one more thing. But yeah. going off of Evan's point, like, I've been looking up, like, stuff on Porzingis ever, like, since yesterday, since he got traded. And I saw there was one stat, I think he's, like, he had, like, the 14th the most uh, post-ups in the league. And all these, like, casual Celtics fans thinks he's just here to, like, shoot and spread the floor. So they're not happy about it. But they don't realize how much of an impact he actually makes on defense, too. And uh, to finish off, like, the whole Celtics talk, I really think for the Celtics to compete, they still need to make one more move. I think they're one more player away. And we do have the 25th pick in the draft tonight, which hasn't happened as of this time. So I don't know if we're going to try to move that along with like Grant Williams, but we do have nine first round picks that we can trade. Although they're not valuable, I think we can get like that eighth guy. Cause like, I feel like the majority of teams when they make the finals, they only run an eight man rotation. So we have seven, I think we just need that eighth person and we're good. But Bowser, Cornet, yeah, for sure. Why not? Why not Grant Will? I think they're gonna trade him. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I will say, just seeing reports, Rockets did get Cam Whitmore. I um, saw that. Param, Amen Thompson, Jalen uh, Tengun is so good. Oh, Tari Eason, too. Tari Eason. They're about to get a good vet coming in in free Whoa. agency. Um, they getting hard on you, think? No, no. Great wing defender. Um, oh. So, uh, I guess I'll start. I actually think I like this from the Wizards because um, they're one moving. I don't think there's a player there's definitely a few but Tyus Jones elevates his teammates about as much as any guy in the league does like as just a point guard he's gonna get the best out of all their young guys Denny of Egypt I mean there's hardly any young guys right now I think they picked up one or two tonight but I like him I think he's like a great point guard leader I think he'll elevate everyone there from the Celtics end I like it a lot I think the picks are also super nice. Uh, I think it depends who we pick. <laughs> yeah, obviously anything can happen with picks. Are they um, protected or no? Well, hmm. we have the twenty fifth pick tonight is one of them. So oh, yeah, okay. and then and that one next year is like top four. Yeah, it's top four okay. protected and top one protected. Okay. So um, from the Grizzlies' point of view, I think. I'm excited to have Marcus Smart as a Memphis Grizzly. I think he will fit the mold of what Grizzlies fans like. He'll be embraced well. Um, 
I love his defense. I'm a defense first guy. Love a good defender. Uh, uh, I I will flash back about three weeks ago. I sat out on the back patio of the Kohlberg's household uh, before going to a Red Sox game, talking with Ben Kohlberg. And I said directly, I said, you know, I think what the Celtics need to do, you might not like this, is trade Marcus Smart. I think they need a culture shock. And from what I remember, he actually agreed with me. Uh, I know he's pretty heartbroken over this trade right now. And he could come on and give us about an hour-long talk on the greatness of Marcus Smart. Also, great off-the-court guy. I want to give him credit for that, too. Um, but all that being said, I think this is a horrid trade for the Grizzlies. And more, uh, the trade in a in a vacuum maybe isn't that bad. But I think this is just a clear misdirection of the offseason. What we're doing is a complete mystery. So if we're strictly just replacing Dylan Brooks, who shot... 33.6% from deep last night for Marcus Smart, who shot 34.6%, 1% better. Dylan was second team all defense. Marcus Smart, incredible defender, wasn't a better defender than Dylan Brooks last night. Not that much better of a three-point shooter. He's better in the corners, which I guess put him in the corners, maybe he'll shoot better, but like he's not much better. Sure, he's, a l he's better offensively, but we're... Uh, Ev, I'll get to you, but... We are, instead of running back the roster last year, we're trading our best defender and a great backup point guard that kept us afloat when John Morant was off swinging guns around and beating up little kids playing basketball and whatever he was up to. He kept us afloat through all that. Incredible playmaker. So we're losing Tyus Jones, Dylan Brooks, our best defender, and two first-round picks to be replaced by a guy that shot 1% better from three, similar defender, better offensively, better playmaking. But we're losing Tyus as well and two first-round picks. The Grizzlies do great things with first-round picks. Each year, they consistently use second-round picks to move up in the first round. They've went and gotten Brandon Clark, great pick. Santi Aldama, um, Desmond Bain, that was another one. They got him for like a six pack a coke they got them for free like what they do at the back end of the first round is great i don't know why they're sacrificing that so i just i don't get the direction whatsoever because i think right now we would be in so much of a better place if we just kept the exact same roster um too i also think the whole like i just think if you added dylan brooks right now to what we have i'd be fine running into the season with that just switching out Tyus Jones for Marcus Smart. You can keep the two first round picks. Another defender. I, I, I'm cool with that. I just, I don't get it. I, I, this is all because Dylan Brooks is a so locker room cancer. But no, John Morant's a okay. Um, Ev, yeah, you wanted to. Yeah. Um. First of all, great monologue. I think you made a lot of great points. Um. One thing. Kennedy, Chandler, Tyus Jones, Dylan Brooks. What can you tell me about those three guys? Is that they like to dance? They lead the dance app. What do we know about Marcus Smart? That man can dance. I think he could be the new guy leading us out of the locker room, at least. At least we still got that covered. I like that you brought up Kennedy Chandler, too, because that man is going to take a big step 
for that Grizzlies <laughs> team. That man is a dog. I, I've been saying it since last year. I mean, maybe he gets a little bit of bigger of a role now, but this is not, this is yeah, this is going to come as bad player. news. But he, he's That's not right, on the Grizzlies roster. Team. Wait, what happened? <laughs> he got cut. Another. Terrible front office. Wait, why would they do? You cut a rookie first round pick, a second, a second year first round pick. They had to get Kenny Lofton on the roster. They needed to get transfer Kenny Lofton from a two way so that he could play in the playoffs, even though he was never going to play because he was the eighth string big man. But they wanted to make sure he was on the roster, even though they were never ever ever going to play him. So they needed to cut Kennedy Chandler to make space. Granted, I do think it's possible that we'll just re-sign him in free agency because he hasn't got picked up by anyone. Um, it's either that or we'll start playing in Guangdong, but oh, well, that's he's not the Memphis Grizzly at the moment. Last thing about Marcus Smart, don't be surprised when he shoots 36% or higher from the three this year for you guys. I have a feeling he's going to go in. He's going to even said it before, like a couple of days ago, that he's just going to go in. He's going to work his work his uh like workload completely on shooting and trying to make his teammates better. So. I mean, he's always been a hard worker. I just wouldn't put it past him if this year he actually took a little bit of a leap scoring, especially ever since you said his body could be uh, wearing down a little bit, so he might need to shoot better this year. So. I I would love if he takes a jump, but again, I don't get... Dylan Brooks is about to sign for the same exact contract that Marcus Smart is on right now. Marcus Smart's on like 19, 20, and 21 for the next three years. Dylan Brooks going to get that, if not even a little cheaper. Dylan he's might get... Who's giving him that? Rockets. I, I, my guess is Rockets give him eight really? a year. If they don't, so what? If if I could get Dylan Brooks for fifteen, oh my god, that's a steal in today's market. Um, so if I can get Dylan Brooks, who's two years younger, lock him in a lab with lethal shooter for the summer. Teach him to shoot. He one. This is his worst career year shooting three pointers. I think it'll bounce back. He's a 35% shooter on his career. But lock him in a lab with lethal shooter. The defense isn't a problem. We don't need playmaking out of him. And he's all right when he is a playmaker. Just, yeah, it, honestly, Ray, if you <laughs> Raymond, if you want to spend some time with him, just start working like a, I don't think it's that hard. I think if all you need to do, you have Luke Kennard and Desmond Bain, the two best three-point shooters in the NBA by percentage. That's a fact. Sure, you, uh, Steph is great, but two best three-point shooters in the league. Walk in a room with those two in lethal shooter. Teach him to shoot. I just don't. And another thing, the whole thing this offseason was upgrading at the three, upgrading at the three, upgrading at the three, upgrading at the three. We had picks to do that, and we just gave away two of them to get Marcus Smart. This was our capital to make an upgrade at the three. I just don't like where's the direction? Yeah, I think the worst thing is that just cuts into I know like the dream for Grizzlies was eventually like a Mikhail Bridges or an OG Ananobi. And I feel like with uh, these two picks would have been a, a big part of swinging that trade. So I feel like that is kind of the worst part of it. Uh, so now what it's going to be like at this point, I. I don't get granted this front office is constantly I wouldn't be shocked if there's a trade with the Grizzlies before we wrap up this podcast because they are constantly moving on draft night. Um and they're never done. There is the off season where they traded like uh Valentunas to Stephen Adams and Bledsoe, then Bledsoe into Pat Bev into 
So they're constantly moving. But I just don't get how this doesn't end up with them getting like sending two more picks for Dorian Finney-Smith or something or Royce O'Neal. And so then we're legit just trading Tyus Jones, like four picks and Dylan Brooks out for Dorian Finney-Smith and Smart. Like, what are we doing? We were also a great roster last year. Sure, we lost Brandon Clark, our sixth man, who gets six man of the year votes every year, and our starting center, who's the best rebounder in the league. So, yeah, things went a little off the rails at the end of the season. But we were one of the best teams in the NBA during regular season before all that shit hit the fan. I just They've decided they need to completely overhaul with no direction. It's stupid. I just uh, should we get into Jordan Poole? Yeah, yeah, we can keep it moving. Um, we may need to take a break soon. Draft is still going on, but yeah, let's. Uh, Ev, do you want to give your uh, initial thoughts on the pool deal? As, as the podcast Warriors fan, I will lead us off here. Um, my first thought is just if you're gonna tank, Jordan Poole is far and away the most fun guy to be leading that initiative. He will be. Very entertaining to watch this year. He'll probably put up 30 shots a game, most of them uh, probably of the terrible quality, but it will be a fun watch. They'll be a great league pass team at the very least, unless Tyus Jones can reel him in a little bit, which is probably uh, something that'll happen as well. But from the Warriors' perspective, I understand they've kind of put themselves in a terrible cap situation. Really, they had they had to ship someone out if they're going to extend Draymond and Clay, which they want to do. So obviously Poole is the odd man out there. But it just does suck to see them so low on him because if this was happening a year ago, they'd be getting a King's Ransom. And now they had to send a pick out with him to get a 38-year-old Chris Paul, which is just a year ago would have seemed insane. So... That just shows how quick the league moves. I do feel like they're kind of overreacting uh, to a bad season from him, but it is what it is. I get they want to get some more veterans in the room since they are an older team. I actually really like uh, Chris Paul on the Warriors. Um, I think, obviously, him and Steph are not the most durable guys at this point in their career, so there will be nights where they need Chris Paul to start. And I still think if you need that from him a handful of games a year, he can still be very effective. He's also, obviously, the Jordan Poole backup point guard minutes last year were not working. He had a very bad year. I won't won't deny that. And Chris Paul will certainly upgrade uh, the backup point guard role, and he'll make everyone in that second unit better. So I think from that point of view, it'll help. But just looking, like obviously, of course, Bleacher Report has to drop the graphic, like potential Warriors <laughs> starting five of Chris Paul, Steph Clay, Wiggins, and Draymond, which would just be an atrocious lineup to run out against some of the better teams in the West, like the Lakers or Nuggets. They wouldn't get a single rebound. So I really, I don't see how Chris Paul will be closing games for them. Obviously over Steph, I just think they'd be too small. They'd get picked apart on defense. But I do think for the regular season, they'll raise their floor a little bit in the playoffs. He's a great backup point guard to have. Uh when steps off the floor. So overall, I think I don't, I think it probably makes the Warriors a little bit better, but it just sucks that they had to sell so low on pool because 
he's obviously very talented and I still think he'll have a great career. I I just want to like throw in a point when you said like obviously like if they run that five that like ESPN puts out, they're gonna get killed. Like I mean, you gotta like I feel like everyone needs to like somewhat make their roster to beat the Nuggets team. Like that Nuggets team is gonna be around forever and they're running out Jokic who's like seven feet. Michael Porter Jr. is 6'10", Aaron Gordon, 6'8", 6'9", who jumps out of the gym. So, I mean, you have those three guys who are great, like, rebounding and are huge. I mean, it's going to be tough to be running, like, Clay at the th- – like, running that small ball when you have three huge guys as, like, the team to beat in that league. So, it's like – I mean, it's going to be – like, I think it's going to be tough to run small ball. I feel like people are going to start to revert a little bit back just because for the Nuggets' sake, trying to play against them at least against that team. But I don't know. I think running Chris Paul is just like a strictly backup point guard. I think it's a great move. I have been very adamant on my Jordan Poole hate. I think he's just not a good player. He's a traffic cone on defense. I mean, he just launches shots. I mean, for the Wizards, him and um, who, who just got moved to the Wizards? Who am I playing? Nice. No. Nice. Who else on that team? Jordan Poole? Yeah, Jordan, I don't know. there was someone else I was thinking of. No, whatever. It's too, it's like... Oh, Gallinari. <laughs> oh, Mike no, Muscala. No. <laughs> Never mind. But like, that, dude, that Jordan Poole. Landry Shannon? That Muscala, Jordan, Jordan Poole that. pick and roll. That could no, be I was thinking Kuz, but he's opted out. But if Jordan Poole puts up, he's going to put up like 40 shots a game, and he's going to shoot, like, you know he's shooting like, 14 for 40 every single night. Like, he's just going to be long, and he's going to go, what, two for 14 from three every single game. Like, he's just not good. I don't think he's good. He's going to get a bunch of shots off. But, I mean, I think it's a win for the Warriors. They got rid of that terrible contract, and they got a great backup point guard that fits the role better than Cool does. Yeah, I think uh, you made some good points with, like, how they can't run small ball anymore. It's like – um like a few years ago when the Warriors were at their peak, obviously they made their money with the small ball and everyone tried to copy that. Now you look around the league and the big man is kind of back. You got Nuggets, Bucks, Sixers all have their best player as big men and they're perennial contenders. So I do think the league is kind of shifting back towards that. And I think a lot of people don't realize just because our whole lives watching basketball scoring has come so easily to the Warriors. In those playoff games, one of their biggest problems was scoring. And Jordan Poole is obviously inefficient and had a bad year, but outside of Steph and Wiggins to some extent, he's really the only guy who can go get his own shot. So I do think they have some holes to fill. I really would have liked to see them try to get Kuzma in this deal as a sign-and-trade just for some more offense because I think people kind of overlook the fact that they need some more uh, creators who can get their own shot on offense. And they also need some size still, so they definitely have – some holes to fill in their roster. So I'm curious to see what they do. Uh, I was going to say, I have a lot to add in about uh CP three, like with that wizard trade, but Simon, if you like want to go before me, cause I know there's a little time you can definitely do that. And then I can just do it after you, but. um, Yeah. I'll, I'll chip in one or two thoughts. Um, One, I think there was a, this was like a crossroads where, I think at some point, dynasties can say, let's try and get one last dance out of this, or let's 
at some point with the age of all these warriors, it seems like they need to hit rock bottom before they can start coming back up post this Steph Clay like era. Where I think with Pool Kaminga, I'm not that low on Pool. I'm not. I think he's probably overpaid. I don't think he's horrible though. Um, I think they probably had something there, and you could work with it. Uh, I think Pool Kaminga, Moody. I I really didn't like the Wiseman trade. I think you could have tried working something him out of him as well. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I think this is trying to extend their window. I don't think it'll pan out. The West is stacked. Um, and so I think this will just force them into a full rebuild. Uh, we are gonna need to quickly take a break, and then Raymond will get back to you with your thoughts after the break. All right, we are back. Uh, we're going to head right over. Ray, floor is yours, buddy. Uh, well, I got a lot on this, actually, to be honest. Uh, so I think the Wizards, we we're kind of brushing on them earlier. As a whole, I think for the directions that the Wizards want to uh, go in, I think they're honestly making the most out of these three trades that they could have. Or at least the two trades. I mean... I guess, yeah, the three trades with Beal and Porzingis and then uh, the last one right here with Chris Paul. Because honestly, when you think about it and put it into perspective, the Wizards got 10 picks, right, in the Beal trade, which I think for somebody who kind of was at like his breaking point and wanted to leave to get six second rounders and four first rounders for him is an amazing deal, especially if he didn't want to be there anymore. And then you use... Chris Paul in one of those picks and get Jordan Poole, who's a young shooter who, yeah, he's inefficient, but maybe the more and more shots he gets up, the better percentage he'll find and the better player he'll turn into. And I think there's no better fit for him than Washington right now. So I honestly think the Wizards have had a couple really good moves to um, start their rebuild. And Evan, you made a point about, uh, or might not even been Evan, I forget who it was, something about uh, Jordan Poole. And I think, honestly, like his confidence maybe went down after uh, Draymond punched him in the face. I mean, he shot bad. Maybe he was just like off edge because of the whole thing. You know what I mean? And probably a change of uh, scenery, you could see the Jordan Poole of the old days, which would be cool. And uh, the last thing kind of on this was with the new lineup, because I wanted to talk about that with the Warriors, their potential starting lineup. I don't think it's going to work, to be honest. I think whether that means Chris Paul comes off the bench or honestly, didn't Draymond, isn't Draymond a free agent? So realistically, if Draymond leaves and then they just slot Kevon Looney in there, I think Looney is very underrated in this system. I mean, when he was playing, because I know he got sick during the end of the playoffs, but when he played, he was a beast on the boards. And I think honestly, if you put Looney out there, that's, and then have Wiggins potentially play the four. If Draymond doesn't come back, the starting lineup of Chris Paul and Curry could work pretty well. That's kind of all I had on that subject, but I just feel like Looney's a very underrated piece in the Warriors' uh, system. Yeah, yeah, I'd be, I'd be shocked if uh, they can't keep Draymond. I think he'll be back. I think that's part of like moving pool. Uh, almost ensured that not only financially, but because of the punch that you referenced. <laughs> So I do think – I think we'll be looking at the more traditional Warriors starting five, just Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, Looney, and then Chris Paul running the bench unit with probably some vet men guys. I don't even think they're going to be able to keep DiVincenzo. 
So I'm not sure what the bench will look like, but I think it'll be him leading that unit with Kuminga and Moody. Yeah, I think uh, DiVincenzo's probably gone. I think Gary Payton's gone as well. Um, not that he was even a big like piece of it. Because um, didn't he sign like a multi-year deal? Know, I think he's on there because he signed a multi-year deal with the oh. uh, Blazers. So actually their bench unit's a little bit better than I thought, honestly. Good. Yeah, I don't know. I just think like... I think that lineup's just getting old. It's getting rickety. I think availability, like, I think, again, they're going to finish as, like, a four through seven seed. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if one of them, I uh, would never wish an entry upon someone, but if one of them goes down at some point with, like, something somewhat big, uh, I think they've each, in the past, Draymond's pretty durable, but they've each missed huge chunks of time. Um, the other thing I wanted to say about the Wizards is, in reality, like, that was just about as big of a train wreck in the league as there was. Like, there was – it wasn't like they were going to end up getting, you know, a top 10 pick back for any of their assets. They didn't have valuable assets. They didn't have much to work with. They don't have, like, young guys. So I think getting as many expiring deals – as possible was good which they did and then they got some picks but i feel like at some point taking a flyer on someone that showed a lot of upside you can buy low and if it pans out that's great if it doesn't there's no like harm no foul on that so uh, i think what they're doing is like smart they were never going to come out of this uh with thunder assets they were never going to come out of this like ready to roll in a year or two so i don't know i'm i'm happy with what they're going for yeah right you want to take one thing i was uh talking to a couple people earlier including uh my dad and when i was talking i said the wizards are kind of i feel like trying to go that thunder route and even if they do half of what the thunder did it would be impressive for their franchise and it would still be a really good start because i think the thunder like in a really good shape right now obviously they have so many good young talented players and SGA is developing into a superstar before our eyes. And I just think that if the wizards even do half of that, they could be in contention in like four years. But also the one thing that Evan was talking about with uh, Chris Paul, I think the uh, warriors did this move too, because in the past Steph has had to play so many minutes when it comes down to the playoffs, just because the team physically cannot perform without him on the court. So I think this move of Chris Paul does take a lot of pressure off the warriors and maybe we'll actually extend their uh, playoff series for the upcoming year just because they have that guy who can lead the second union kind of be like okay Steph go take like a 10 minute break you know and they'll be fine with Chris Paul on the floor I think he's the perfect guy for that job yeah to uh Simon's point before I feel like the Wizards were basically just in like the ultimate no man's land situation Bielan Porzingis too good to get you a Wembenyana Scoot or Brandon Miller but too bad to make any real noise in even the playing game as we saw so i do think it was long overdue if they had made this beal move two or three years ago before they gave him the max extension with a no trade clause for some reason they obviously would have gotten a much better haul and they could have restarted their rebuild a little bit earlier so uh, i know it is a new regime now so they're kind of righting those wrongs also i think one of the big misconceptions in the nba like a lot of people when teams start like tanking, they just say like 
get all cheap contracts. We don't have to pay anybody. I think you do have to have like 80 or 90% of the salary cap, no matter what. So you do have to pay someone. So if you're going to be paying someone, you might as well pay a young guy in Jordan Poole with high upside who might, if things click, be a part of your future going forward. So I think they're they're in a, a much better spot than they were a week or two ago. Yeah, I agree with just about all those points. I think that's also another like lesson, not to say the Warriors will ever get as bad, like as into this no man's land as the uh, Wizards are right now. But I feel like some teams are able to kind of skip out on doing this like long, long rebuild by making smart decisions and then you kind of do need to hit on something in the draft. The Grizzlies are actually a great um case example of that. They were down for like two years, got hit on Sharon and Jaw, then were in the play in game the first year with Jaw and a couple of years into their career already, their three stars are 23, 23, and 24. And they finished as the two seed in back-to-back years. So I think if you play things right and uh, especially start collecting young assets, even when you're still good, uh, I think you don't need to be in that deep of a rebuild. But any other thoughts on the, the CP3? Uh no i think we uh covered everything but sorry just celtics fan bias the celtics are continuing to make amazing moves just saying traded the 25th pick for number 31 future second round pick so not one but two and then a five million dollar tpe so we're doing well let's do it I i would talk a little draft if you want to go into like at least like Scoot or something, a little bit going third. Just, and Brandon Miller going too. I have one. Unless you have I just think that Chris Paul ending his career as Steph Curry's backup is pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, line. him being traded for a bag of chips, I think, showed his value, and a little bit earlier, and this is kind of coming full circle. But uh, yes, yeah, we can... I also want to throw out a, a thing for Simon. Like you know, obviously you're not happy with the Grizzly, but. It doesn't seem like any of this is in your control, so you shouldn't just get like worked up about it. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I've been told that earlier today. I handled it well. I handled it maturely. Um, you know, sports at the end of the day, it's just a game. There's really no need to get upset with any of this. Exactly. It's just a game. Um, um, I've never been one to kind of freak out over stuff. And I mean, I'm... I'm about as lucky of a sports fan as can be. Haven't had a <laughs> in like 17 years. Trophies are non-existent. So I mean, I'm I'm doing well. My favorite players <laughs> are being moved or bumped down to the fifth division. So or, hey, or playing good. with or playing with guns. Life is good. Um, <laughs> yeah. If we want to move into the draft, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I think I don't know if anyone just has takeaways. My big takeaways going winners, to draft. Winners, I've, losers, maybe. What? Should we just do like our winners and losers of the draft? Yeah, yeah. I can I can start us off. I, I yeah. um maybe I didn't tweet this. I thought I tweeted this. Uh my four winners were gonna be the teams that got Eamon Thompson. Big fan of his love scoot. I mean I 
I don't. I think that's not like a hot take. I really like the top three are kind of. Um, Keontae George. I'm a huge Keontae George fan. And uh, he went to Utah. So I like what they're doing there. Um, also, something I'm not 100%. Not, I don't want to come off and put this in the wrong light. When the is great. Don't say it. Don't do it. When the is great. Great. I just don't know if he's going to be an all NBA guy. And I think it's, there's going to be I agree. injuries. I'm, I think I could jump on that after. I, As I, could I, I, to be honest. Just, I'm not sold. I mean, no. And, and this is same thing as the Zion jaw. If I'm the one pick, I'm taking Zion and I'm taking one Binyama without a second thought in the world. Everything for the marketing. Yeah, great pick. You couldn't be luckier. That's great. I just don't know if it's going to pan out how everyone likes it. Also, my, my fourth winner, uh, I like the Pelicans grabbing Jordan Hawkins. I think he's a great two. Uh, good pick. But, yeah, I don't – I just don't know. So, to tag on, so I'm going to throw that same take out. I think – I mean, if you look at his French league, he played, like, 40% of the games. Like, obviously, they're cautious with him. But, like, I feel like he's had – like, if you go through his injury history, he has, like, a bunch of injuries in, like, multiple different parts of his body. Like, I feel like – and obviously, being seven five and skinny, like, you're going to have, like, different health-related problems being that – freakishly uniquely sized so um, i don't know i mean obviously as simon said you have to take him but i don't know i could ease i could see him being like i think a floor is like a bowl bowl but like obviously like his ceiling is like the best player in the league i mean i'm just like i mean he, he he's unique but i mean it's obviously just you know i think the hype that he's getting is kind of ridiculous like Obviously, he's like a once in a lifetime player, but like giving him like he's not LeBron James, like he's a bust is like just crazy expectations to put on a player. And then I know someone's group. I'm gonna throw out my winner as well. I think I'm gonna go with the Rockets as the winner getting. Oh shit! Did I mute? We we only lost you for a couple seconds though. You got me. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, did you hear the Rockets part? Uh, yeah. All right. So getting Cam Whitmore at twenty, like him falling that low, is pretty. I think that's kind of a steal of the draft there. I mean, he was like one of like I think he was like a sixth or eighth prospect, I think, coming into it. So I feel like getting him at twenty is an absolute steal. I mean, they got a bunch of young talent, so I think they're in a great spot. The Rockets. I don't think they should get Harden. I think that would kind of just like put them back to where they were. And I think they should stick with the rebuild. Yeah, maybe maybe like a twenty-seven-year-old guy. Perfect okay, just stop them, stop with them, Brooks. I'm gonna let. I know Evan is kind of anti uh, that Victor Wembanyama take. No, I, so. want, I want I want Ray to go because he's gonna also stick with you guys on Wembanyama. Okay. All right, so I'll just go over my winners and uh, losers real quick. I got a couple for each. I mean, don't get me wrong, Evan. I am not against Victor Wembanyama. I think he deserves to be the first pick. I think he has the most potential in the draft. I think if anybody is to hit the highest ceiling that they can, Victor Wembanyama will be a top five player in the NBA history. But I think looking at past really skinny tall guys like Chet, for example, 
I think he'll still be a good player, but he got hurt right away. I'm scared a little bit for injuries. I know he hasn't had injury concerns, but it's the NBA now. Everybody's bigger. You know what I mean? And so I think, honestly, I'm not saying that Victor is a bad pick. I think he could still be the best player in this draft, but I think just maybe he won't reach that highest potential. But I still, for his floor, for me, I still see him getting four or five all-star games. You know what I mean? So, like, I see him honestly, and I know this person hasn't had as many uh, all-star games, but his floor I see is Kristaps Porzingis, that level of a player. A really, really good player, borderline all-star every single year. I think that's the lowest player he would be. So I'm not saying he's a bad pick, but I'm saying I could see, like, some players develop better than him. And uh, so winners, real quick, I'll just go over them. Trailblazer, Scoot. I think that if Victor's not the best player in the draft, Scoot's the best player by far. I really like how he plays. And he has the right mentality to be a top player in the league. Um, Raptors getting greedy dick at 13. That's a huge pick for them. Solid defender. Awesome three-point shooter. I just really think he fits well. Rockets with Whitmore. And then they also got Thompson. I'll get to him in a minute, but... I like Whitmore for sure, just like uh, Jake was talking about earlier. And then, honestly, the Wizards, they picked up uh, Victor Wembanyama's teammate. I don't want to butcher his name. Bilal Kulabali or something around the sorts. But anyways, I think he is a project. You know what I mean? I don't think that he's ready to play right away on an NBA team or get significant minutes on an NBA team right away. But I think that's the perfect pick for the Wizards if they're really going through this huge rebuild. And then losers quick. Charlotte, I think they should have traded the pick and tried to get Zion or somebody really good. I don't think that Brandon Miller is really going to be that good. Like, compared to some people they could have traded for, like Zion, I don't think he's going to reach that level. And then the Thompson brothers, I'm not really sold on just because the league that they played in, kind of a lower level league. So I don't really know what to believe when it comes to both of them. And then I said the Warriors because they passed up on Cam Whitmore. And those are my three losers for the draft. Now, Ev, all you. Ev, can I actually can I quickly interject just to clarify my state uh, before you come and tear us all to shreds? I uh, I just want to say, uh, yeah, I think you know he's the most unique specimen that I say that's ever played the game. Like the way he can handle it at his height. Um, he's yeah it's it's crazy uh and i think it's very possible he's an amazing amazing one of the best players he could be the best player in the league during his career but i mean his body shape is flat stanley he's 220 pounds like i just i think the human body is not made to be anything damn near like him. I mean, we we got Jake who's six one and he comes down with an injury every third day. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Six one. Body If I'm six one, you're five nine. Okay, we'll call him six two, six three on a nice day. But bodies are not made to be like that. So I just like in a in a NBA where players just are doing load management 24-7, their bodies are so coddled. I just wouldn't be shocked if it's like, you know, his back starts hurting and they shut him down for two weeks. And I I don't, I just, I get nervous with a body I'm, shape like that. I, I think 
I think him hitting 65 games a year is going to be a stretch. Yeah, when he only has four awards at the end of his NBA career, even though he was amazing because he didn't hit 65 games, it's going to be uh, something yeah. interesting. But, yeah, I think his ceiling is no doubt one of the – could be the best player in the league during his reign. I just get a little nervous with the body, if you can take it. All right. Well, I certainly didn't expect to have to defend Victor Wembanyama tonight, but um, I'm completely sold on him. I know he has obviously the body is very unique, but a lot of the ESPN's pre-draft coverage was dedicated to his unique workout routines. It wasn't exactly flattering to watch, but I don't know if you guys saw it. It's basically like him bear crawling on his with his bare feet and hands. It's pretty bizarre, but apparently it's been effective. I know he's been a lot more healthy this past year since he implemented that. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 all in on him. I think Jake Andrade mentioning Porzingis as his floor is a a much more realistic one than Bull Bull, <laughs> like the other Jake suggested. I think Victor Wembanyama two possessions into his NBA career will have surpassed Bull Bull. Um, <laughs> so, but you Porzingis, must not be watching Bull Bull. Yeah, not too much. So. Yeah, I think a realistic comparison is Anthony Davis. I think his floor is a perennial all-defensive guy and also 20-plus points on the other end. Um, Realistically, I think he'll just be a better version of Anthony Davis, closer to 30 points a game, probably in the running for defensive player of the year just about every year. I think he's that good. Um, Yeah. Also, my winners and losers, not to harp on Brandon Miller, but I'm not a big fan of his, and I think that was a terrible pick. Um, I think they drafted for fit, and when you're drafting that high, you have to take the best player available, and I have little doubt that it's Scoot Henderson. I'm very happy that uh, the Blazers took him. It's not a supernatural fit next to Dame, but he'll take all the help he can get, and I think he'll be an instant impact kind of guy. I think he's kind of like Russell Westbrook with probably a little bit more of a jump shot than when Russ came into the league. So I think he'll be an instant impact guy. He can also help on defense. He's a freak athlete, which the Blazers need a lot of. Um, Another winner I have, or that was a loser, a winner I have is uh the Pelicans. Like Simon said, I love Jordan Hawkins. I think he's as tailor-made for today's NBA as anybody. Is he's a knockdown shooter, great contested shooter. I think he'll be an instant impact guy. And I really like what the Pelicans are building their last couple of drafts. Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Hawkins, I think they've really hit on some picks. I really think they're just a somewhat healthy, engaged Zion away from being a real real team. We saw last year, basically until Zion got hurt, they were up first and second in the West. So if he's back, I don't see why that can't be the case again this year. So I definitely have the Pelicans as a winner. Um, I've had a couple of things. You talked about Anthony Davis. Um, I don't want to give away the answer when I ask the question, but how come Street Close only has four all defensive teams? I mean, it's it's. I'm I'm banking on the fact that Wimbledon has got a little bit more fire in him than old Street Close Davis. Yeah, but, I, mean, I mean, I I'm. I understand the injury concerns. I do. But 
I don't know. I've just got a feeling about this one. And I think as long as he's somewhat healthy, he'll be one of the – I think by the end of this year, he's a consensus top 15 player. By the end of this year, top by 15. The, by the end of his rookie year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, um, for one, I went and watched uh, my Grizzly, Kenny Lofton Jr., bully the shit out of him in USA I versus think, France. You were watching some Mets games? Uh, USA versus <laughs> France. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two, um, I think, yeah, we talked Anthony Davis and his unique body shape staying on the floor. We also went and saw Zion and, yeah, Wembenyama Wimben stayed healthy in France. But Zion was primarily healthy for Duke. He was pretty much healthy all the way through. He had that weird shoe thing. I don't know what you want to chalk that up to. Um, that was kind of rotten luck. But now Zion, I mean, I guess he's he's doing some fun things with some woman off the court. Uh, I, I don't want to say fun thing. He's doing some, <laughs> some uh, yeah, bad things off the court. Um, but he can't stay on the court for health reasons. And he was, again, one of those just like unbelievable talents, crazy unique body shape. Um so I don't know. I think when it turns to an 82 game season, you're playing every other night. You got back to backs. Uh, if he did, all it needs is one year of him and Chet both staying healthy. And I'll completely flip the script on all of this. But I'm a little nervous with the uh, the body shapes. Yeah, I mean, I I understand it. I also think. Like, I feel like people group him in with Porzingis and Chet just because they're tall and skinny, but I just think Wembenyana as a prospect is a cut above. Just, I think his guard skills are better. I think he's a better defender. I know he, like, sneakily shoots pretty terribly from the outside, but the jumper, I think, looks good. And he shot, I think, 83% from the free throw line, which is a good sign for the jumper moving forward. So I just think, I just really think as a prospect, he's... I feel like people always say the best since LeBron and they really just glance over how hyped up Zion was just four years ago. So I'll say at least the best prospects in Zion and I would say him and Zion since LeBron are the two best prospects. I want to throw in a point. You, you talked about um, like Scoot sitting next to Dame. So this is kind of like veering off the draft a little bit, but what do you guys think they're going to do with Anthony Simons? Cause I mean, you're paying him a decent amount of money, and you're just going to have him as your third guard with obviously starting Scoot and Dame. I mean, do you move Dame? Do you move Anthony? I don't really know. What do you guys think? I think Dame, Whatever. I think they get rid of him. I don't know to where. I don't know for what, but I think they get rid of Damian Lillard. Because now, especially, right, I think since they were able to uh, get Scoot at number three, I think they may – um want to start young again you know what i mean obviously the blazers have been going for a while dame's one of the most loyal players in the nba he's always been there although even some rumors have come up about him wanting to leave but he's always been there he's always stayed there and i think that uh if he's even thinking about moving on i think the team should try and move on from him and get some good young pieces maybe like for example i'm not just saying this would happen but like an og and an ob type of player in a deal just a young guy who can play the three or the four and just because they have Simons, they have Shannon or Shannon Jesus, Shaden Sharp, and then 
Now they got Scoot, so they're all good up top. But then now just get a bigger guy to maybe replace Nurkic or just get a really good wing player for Dame. I just think the right move in their eyes should be to not contend this year and start a little rebuild. Yeah, I think I think they should move on from Dame. I feel like more than anything, yeah, Dame's been great. He is great. He's still great and he'll be great for a couple more years. But I think what you have with Scoot and Shaden Sharp is like really, really exciting. Um so I'd have I'd like to see them maybe just get a good leader in there. Um there's a good wing. Uh, free agent, I think 27 years old, good defender, good leader. He's taught a lot of young guys good stuff. Um, but I think what he teach, uh, what he teach, uh, um, but uh, that's a, his own how to be a father. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think just they need to just kind of be fine moving off of Dame because what they have now is super exciting. Uh, the other thing I'd say is I feel like there's going to be a ton of moves still to come because I think Dame will probably have to move. I know something that was big on the guard front is on top of already having Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, uh, Wagner's there. Um, who else do they have? Markel Fultz. And then they just drafted two the Magic just drafted two more shooting guards. They have five or six guards already, uh, and at least two of them can't play. So I think they're going to have to move off of them. So there's going to be guards on the move. I think there's Both a lot the Boston baby for Grant Williams. Maybe. I think there's going to be a lot of more dominoes to fall. Um, I, I agree. That's okay. That's you can go. Yeah, I just have two quick points. One, I feel like all these years, people are so caught up of basically like, like it's a, it's on Dame to decide. Like the Blazers owe it to him. At this point, I think it's best for them to move on. It's not like it shouldn't be in Dame's hands at this point. I think they have a good enough young core where they can trade Dame, get stuff back for him, and really like move their rebuild forward. Like I don't even think it's about doing right by Dame at this point. I think they have to do what's best for them. And honestly, it's probably for the best that. They part ways at this point. He probably only has two or three years left playing at the level he plays at. You'd like to see him do it for a contender. And at this point, it's never made more sense for you guys. You have three really good young guards you can build around. Also, the biggest loser of this draft is the fans. I mean, we couldn't even get like a Grant Williams sign and trade tonight. I really thought there was going to be a lot going on. And basically nothing of note happened, which was kind of disappointing because there was a lot of buildup yesterday and today obviously so that was kind of a bummer yeah you know you got davies bertons and rashawn holmes moving teams but that's not exciting for us so you hit that right on the head yeah i was kind of going like obviously the nets are my team but they obviously were kind of in the midst of the middle of like a bunch of the rumors with the blazers moving up from 21 and 22 and then maybe like trading McHale and just like a bunch of different things. And they literally did nothing and just select their picks. So that was kind of disappointing. But I mean, I don't know. There's probably a lot of moves to be going through. They still have Dorian Finney Smith, as Simon said before, Royce O'Neill, that need to get moved because they're not really 
part of the future for the Nets, in my opinion. So, I mean, Ben Simmons hopefully gets moved. Doubt that's going to happen. But I don't know. I think a lot of teams still have a lot of players to move. There's obviously like money that needs to be moved around for different teams for salary cap reasons. So, I don't know. Once the draft ends, they'll probably make the moves for salary cap. I'll uh, I'll mention one. I think had all of the Beal trade, the Marcus Smart trade, the CP three trade all happened during. I mean, um, yeah, any of those happened during draft night. I think we were spoiled with pre draft trades, so that would have made it like crazy spicy. Two, I'm fairly certain sign and trades can't happen till free agency opens, um, and so that. There should be another flurry of moves that happen once free agency opens, um, which I think is relatively soon. So that will be fun and exciting. And then also, I really don't mind teams like the Nets. If you have a guy or two that you like and they're going to be there, making a pick in the late 20s, if you got a guy, again, as a Grizzlies fan, we got Bain and Clark um in the back end of the 20s so you got a guy i mean also the nets have a uh good draft resume they got um cam thomas for one he's blossomed uh they got they got guys that they've drafted so um if you want to sit pat and take some guys i got no problem with that but um I don't know if any of you guys have any more comments, but if not, anything? All right. Well, then uh, I think we might have to call it here. It's been about an hour-long episode, a great uh, kind of emergency podcast. We'll probably have to hop back on at some point to discuss the draft as a whole, even though we covered a lot of good things. We'll try and get Ben Kohlberg's thoughts on the Marcus Smart deal at some point just because he is super passionate about it. I got him on the phone for about five minutes today just to pick his brain and I know he uh, actually wrote something to Marcus Smart but we can let him cover that. Uh, at, some, at some point we need to uh, get to the contents of that letter and see see what was written. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that will be uh, my guess is he's going to try and keep that between him and Marcus but I know that meant a lot to him. So, uh, otherwise, yeah, Raymond, thank you very much for uh, joining us. We, you've been amazing. We hope to have you on again soon. Um, thank you guys for having me. Anytime. Yeah, uh, Ray, do you want to let the people know where we can find they can find you on Twitter? To be honest, I don't even know what my I got it here. It's uh Jake underscore Andre five. Uh always Twitter, a great follow. Go follow. I've been really active lately, especially with the Celtics trade. I have all these boys liking my comments and the best the best the best shooter to ever walk the UMass Amherst campus. After you, man. Right. They just trade their pick to Celtics. Oh, thanks for telling me. We didn't even explain we didn't even explain the origin of where Ray comes from. It's true. <laughs> Um, yeah, we, we get a, a minute or two here. Let me give you the backstory. Actually, Raymond, why don't you give us the backstory? No, no, no. All you guys, all you guys. I, 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 I can tell it. the story. So, 
my man White Ray here was basically the first kid I met uh, when I got to college. And uh, one of the first things he told me was that back home, people call him White Ray because he's uh, got the jump shot of Ray Allen. So uh, I was a little skeptical at first, but he hit the nail on the head. Great shooter, great nickname, and it's basically all I call him nowadays. So he's Jake Andre, but to us, he's White Ray. A little player comp shout out for Evan Kelly quick. Honestly, Luka Doncic. Kid's got everything in the bag. He's a little slow, just like him too, but he's a magician on the court and nobody's better. So props to you two men. Thanks, buddy. All right. Well, uh, if we're on the pro comps now, Jake Giordano is our Pascal Siakam of the podcast. And I'm, of course, the Jimmy Butler of the pod. Um Whoa, what? I did. Yeah. Sorry. If you're trying to see some uh if you're trying to see Pascal Siakam come on you can come watch on Monday night. Not a river location. Don't want some don't want too many fans to show up, but could be a special game in our new league. Wow. Well Yeah, me, uh, me and Jake's uh men's league team got relegated. <laughs> we were <laughs> Really? Well, there's three divisions. We were in the second one. We had to request to be moved to the third one because we were having a rough time. There's a uh, there's a chance I might be able to represent some of uh, my guys here in Groton's men's league team. Give them a little bit of the uh, the old tough shot maker, Simon Chandler. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, glad we're able to keep pumping these episodes out for you hopefully it's an enjoyable listen and uh we'll hopefully be back with you guys soon uh have a great night take care